Ron and continue to remember Pat. Uh, Norm and Luke served communion to Pat and Philip this week. That's that's an important thing, and uh, we appreciate it very much. Last week I talked about the. Lamb of God that went to the cross for us and carried all the burden of our sins. You can imagine that just the sins that we in this room have committed could be a pretty heavy load for Jesus to bear by himself. He was the scapegoat, the Lamb of God. He carried it all. But he carried from all times, from Adam and Eve, sins all the way through whenever time ends. And he was the perfect sacrifice. And every, the amazing thing when you read this, I assume you're reading your Bibles or a biblical book, one of the... uh, books that come out about the Bible, the most important thing is to try to get some of the Word of God into you every week. It, it nourishes you. It makes your soul uh, continue to live. And also, uh, it's the love letters from God. We didn't talk about it because it's not an Easter season, but there are seven words on the cross. That's what they say. And preachers always preach on this. How many know what what I'm talking about when I say there were seven words from the cross? Jesus had seven words. Most everybody knows. Okay, he spoke these things. One of them was he said, I thirst. Remember, and he said, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. He said these things from the cross. And they're phrases that were given. Well, there were also seven words to the cross after the end. Now, we left it last week with Jesus on the cross bearing the sins of all the world on his, show, on his own body. That's enough to break anybody. And because he was broken, then after he was dead, something happened. One of the soldiers walked up and stuck a spear into the side of Jesus underneath the rib cage up towards the heart. I guess it hit the heart because that's one way that you can tell if a person is truly dead. Otherwise, they break the bones or crush the bones of the legs of the people hanging on the crosses so they'd definitely die. They, they wanted them. This, this was a miserable death. Miserable because you can't commit suicide by crucifying yourself. You can't nail yourself to a cross. You could get, maybe you could hang by one hand or something, but it just doesn't work that way. But that, after he was dead and on the cross, 
where it came in and cut his heart. Out from his side flowed blood and water. Now this was from the dead body. Jesus had left the cross. He'd already ascended or gone, left the cross because his spirit was released when he said, it's finished and to my hands I commit myself. And so that's part of his seven words. And the, and as he was hanging there, the two elements that were to come out for the church were the water and the blood. This is a very, very big deal. The symbolism and the actuality of what happened there. The blood, because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin or no forgiveness of sins. Because God said, if you do this, you'll die, which means the life is in the blood. In fact, the Bible says the life's in the blood. Now, science writes that the life is in the blood. Doctors know that the life is in the blood. They know what happens to people whose blood doesn't get right. In fact, one of the first things they check when you go see a doctor, they start pulling blood out of your body. They run it through all these tests, and they can tell if you've had a heart attack or if there's something wrong in your body or if there's some kind of a, of a problem. And they do this constantly. I mean, if, if you ever have to go to a hospital or something, uh, Steve just got out and is walking on. He always has been a man with a lot of metal, but that was spiritual. Now he's actually got it in his body. He's got a, some steel there, I guess. And uh, that means you'll have to be very careful with the metal detectors at the airport. And this is completely off the subject, but this was funny. I just need to tell you. My daughter-in-law, when when she flew from uh, San Diego to (coughs) Abilene, where Christopher was serving his time, you know, in the Air Force. In the reserves, you have to serve so many days a year. <clears throat> well, she got, she got stopped. They, they test all your stuff. And she had a baby carriage and a baby in her arm. And the baby carriage, when they tested the baby carriage, there were chemicals on there that are part of explosives. So she was taken aside. <laughs> And she spent like an hour getting searched and officials coming in to check her out. To, and, I mean, you'd have to see her to know what's going on. She's, well, it'd be like one of y'all going to the airport with no thought, especially a mother with a baby in her arms. And you're standing there and you're trying to take care of your baby and you've got, and you're there for an hour with people searching you and going over everything. But, you just, <laughs> they had bought that carriage secondhand in one of the Air Force bases, and obviously it had something on it, it wasn't supposed to be on there that tested positive to explosives. But you don't even, you know, hydrogen peroxide will do the same thing. Don't put hydrogen peroxide on anything before you go to the airport, they'll, they'll haul you in. Um, 
I don't know what, what all she went through. I just knew it was a miserable thing. Back to the subject, if I can ever find it again. I'm kind of out of practice on this preaching thing. Well, <clears throat> the water that flowed from his body represented regeneration in other words, baptism and regeneration. Regeneration means um, that you're being made alive again. You're, you're bringing back to life. You're making everything alive. And the blood, of course, stood for the forgiveness like this. It represents the forgiveness of Christ. In fact, the blood that was spilled on the earth was... Um, was a big deal. This was what happened when Adam and Eve sinned. We talked about this. God came in and killed the animals to make the garments for Adam and Eve to wear so they wouldn't be naked because they were ashamed that they were naked. That had never existed before. We don't know how many hundreds of years they'd live by this time or maybe not that long. But anyway, blood was spilled on the ground. That was an insult to earth, to God's creation. It was a pain to, to earth. He blesses the land. This this is a strange thing too. Why does God care where you live or what you live on or what your property is about? Why is it important even? Why do the to philosophies like Marxism want to take your property rights away from you. By the way, you don't have any property rights. If the state taxes your property, then they can take over your property, which means they actually really share ownership with you. And if you don't keep it up, they take all over. There shouldn't be any property tax. Under God's law, there would be no, no property tax. So in the New Jerusalem, rejoice. <laughs> the, the problem here is that the blood that Jesus poured out was the cleansing blood. It was going to replace that which would have been done before, the evil blood that was covering the earth. The wars, the sin, the murder, the slashing up of people, the horror that happens in this world, and blood is shed. They said the streets and that that street, the street of the angels, I think is what it was in, in uh, France, was covered with blood because of all the people that were run over. What a a horrible thing. And the blood of Jesus was to cover all that to everybody's sin, everything. Well, after that particular incident, we come to Matthew 27 where some things began to happen after he's dead. 
And the scripture says that, and I think we're going to get that one. Uh, And it always starts off the same way that the devil started. If you are the son of God, or if you're this, uh, if you are who you say you are, then come down off the cross or something. The big point about those, that first group of people that walked by the cross, the scripture says they were passers-by that were coming, that were going to go there. And that's why he said that. I don't know, do you see that part where it says the passers-by? There's a lot of people. I've been thinking about this this week. There's a lot of people that drive down the street and pass our churches and we have these crosses up here. And people are passing by the cross all the time. Just like, just like the people in Jesus' day when he was hanging on the cross. People pass by the cross. And they don't even think about it. They don't care. But these people were passing by because they were interested in and Jesus hanging there on the cross, they wanted him dead. You know, there's a problem in the world. This is a big political problem, too. If people are very righteous, you hate their guts. <laughs> and if people are very evil, you hate their guts. So we all try to be some lukewarm position in the middle, don't we? We all want to be somewhere not too good. I mean, you don't go up and tell people, hello, I'm really a wonderful, perfect person. I'm so glad you get to meet me. Or you don't go up and say to them, I am the meanest person in the world. You're more likely to do that than you are to tell them you're perfect. We have these problems in our society with things like this. Well, Jesus never said that he was perfect or said that he was good. In fact, when he was asked that once, he said, there's nobody good except the Father which is in heaven. Nobody. So everybody is guilty of sin. Everybody has sinned and come short of the glory of God. But these people passed by the cross making fun of and ridiculing. There's a lot of ridiculing going on. There's a lot of ridicule going on about the two people running for president of our land. You can understand why. I mean, it's a pretty big joke part of the time. And yet they're going to become two of the most, one of them is going to become one of the most powerful people in the world. And also this week they had a, tried to have a coup, which means they want, the army tried to take over the government in Turkey. And when that happens, they, there's a lot of bloodshed and, uh, and people are killed. Well, the guy that was elected, who our president is trying to back, the present prime minister of Turkey, has been doing away with his enemies. That means if you didn't vote for him, they kill you. They were filling the prisons and killing people. I mean, 
all the dissenters of any that had any power, he's been killing them. But he was the elected official. Therefore, in, in the Marxist ideals, that's a big deal. That's a good thing. I mean, if you're elected, it doesn't matter what you do. But the people began to struggle against that, and they still are. Uh, so there's a conflict going on, and there's so much confusion. Why? Because the devil creates confusion. He's the author of confusion. And that's how these things are run. Well, Jesus came to organize a different world and to regenerate the world, to regenerate us who are a nation, like we were talking about last week, all by itself. We're a different nation. We're the true nation of Jews. We're not the Hebrews. And some of you might be part Hebrew. But we're not the Hebrews, but we are the true Jews according to Paul because we've accepted Jesus Christ. He was the ongoing Judaism of today. And so here, being ridiculed, you'll be ridiculed. Some of you are ridiculed at school. Sometimes when you make good grades, you're ridiculed for being good. And if you do real poorly, they ridicule you too. But there's always somebody trying to ridicule you or make fun of you or put you down or something's going on. And so we joke about it to take some of the pain out. And that's what was going on at the cross. People were ridiculing him. The next word that came at the cross, to the cross, was when the thief was hanging on the cross, the first thief, the one that was on the right, looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's a pretty astounding thing. Something happened to that guy. While he was up there, he saw something different at the cross, two different People saw things totally different from the crowd on these seven words to the cross. And he saw something a little different. He saw a person that, had, that was not guilty, that was what he said he was, that there wasn't a reason to hang him on a cross. He shouldn't have been put on the cross. And... Yet there he was, and so this man turned to him and said, Lord, remember me. And Jesus did remember him. One of Jesus' words was to him. Then the next man on the cross in Luke 23, 39, was the thief on the left side. And he was a very selfish guy that he's the kind that said, why... Why did God do this to me? Why am I? Why me, Lord? Of course, he was a criminal. He was a thief. Just like the other guy. Only the other guy recognized somehow and repented because he said, you know, he was a thief and he told the other guy that they deserved to die. He could see his and get by 
any sin that you confess, God's willing to forgive, to accept you in that position. So, we can take these different views. Everybody can relate to something here. Sometimes we, we ridicule a religion. Uh, we try not to, really, you know, our own belief system, we try not to ridicule it. So we'll make fun of uh, somebody else. We'll make fun of the Buddhist. They all look like they're worshiping a great big fat old man. And, that's ridic- and you can ridicule that. And you can ridicule about a Confucius with the long white beard and, and Confucianism, which was a mainly mental type of a religion. Or Muhammad, who was a, a, a leader who brought the people of the Middle East kind of back to the faith of Abraham. And then they... But there were enemies and wars and things going on. And they thought it was, it was time to get, get off the cross. Don't go to the cross. Now, it wasn't literally the cross. They were having a war. And he didn't want to fight. Muhammad didn't want to war against his own people. But finally, because of the pressure, he did. And everybody pitched in. And after that, it became a very bloody religion and is today. And their laws prescribe things like if you steal something, if one of your kids steals somebody else's pencil at school, they cut your hand off. I mean, that's what they do over there. That's kind of scary. (laughs) Or if you pick up somebody's, look at somebody else's test paper, I don't know what they do. Maybe poke your eyes out. But something happens. It's a mean thing. And the problem is, is that we ascribe our ways to who God is and think he's like us. And he isn't like us. Our problem is to become like him, not him, not us make ourselves a God. The the next group that came to, to Jesus was in Matthew 27, 42nd verse. And this was a different thing. This were, they came to tell him to come off the cross, but they were intellectuals. And they were talking about him, you know, he couldn't save, he, he couldn't save himself. And so there was a, a kind of a, a struggle on that fourth uh, word to the cross. There was a struggle about uh, the intelligent people reasoning all this thing out. And that's another thing we do with religion. We try to reasoning it out. We try to figure out somehow what we're going to do and what, what God expects of us. And we always come up with works. And works are not what God's after. Works are a sacrifice. He's not after our sacrifices. He wants us to believe in him. He wants faith. Faith produces an ability to love him back. 
I think God has one great desire in his heart from you. He wants your love. Nobody else can give him that. Nobody can give him the love that you give him. You personally give God your own love. Nobody else can give your love to him. Only you can give your love. And I think that's what he really wants. And I think the older we get and the closer we get to the Lord, that's one of the things we want. We want some love in our life. We want our our children to love us or our grandchildren. We enjoy that, that refreshing. That's one of the most important reasons to come to church is because when you come to church and greet one another and you're happy and you're, there's, a, there's a pleasant acceptance of one another. We don't know what happened to us this week, but when we come together, we know that there's a point to where we have come to do the same thing, worship God himself. And that's a pleasure to him. Well, He couldn't come down off the cross. He went up from the cross when he released his body in death, when he gave up his life. And he had to give up his life. He could have been on that cross for a year, alive. He was the son of God. He could have regenerated himself. He could have done anything he wanted to do. He's God. Anything that's been done in this creation, he could have done on the cross. Remember how wars were won, not by the Israelis fighting against them, but because God did it. And he would turn the people against themselves. They'd kill each other. All kinds of strange things happen when God takes over. And he could have done anything that was ever done in the scriptures before while he was standing, while he was hanging on that cross. And he chose not to do it. He had to release himself to go, well, rain. When the clouds come over, they, the rain has to give itself up. And the clouds give up their their moisture and it falls to the ground and or we wouldn't have a green any green on the earth in fact the sun has to give up its light to come to us in order to light the world and our universe and and so that's what was happening here he had to give himself up he had to surrender himself and die literally die on the cross so that he could come back. He could now once again bring life to the earth. He could come and take all of us into his arms. Save us. In the fifth word, it says that they were talking about Elijah coming because he had said something. He had said, he had quoted from the 22nd Psalm. When you, when you read anything in the Bible, if you look up <clears throat> the little scriptures that are on the side or someplace on your, if you get a Bible that has, mine have them down the middle. There's a little middle thing here that tells you where these scriptures relate. It's 
It's really important to look at stuff like that. Sometimes they're at the bottom of the page. But it's kind of like a study Bible. All, everything that happened was a fulfillment of prophecy. Everything he did was a fulfillment of prophecy. And even all of these things that, that they said to him were fulfillments of prophecy. It was exactly like that. I mean, there weren't any mistakes. There was nothing there. And so they thought that he was talking about Elijah coming and getting him down off the cross, but he wasn't talking about getting off the cross. He was quoting the 22nd Psalm and said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he, he, he knew that God had to turn his back on his own son in order for Jesus to be able to die. And maybe he just couldn't stand to see him suffering any longer and had to turn his back and forsake him so that he could die, so he could command his own death. But it wasn't Elijah, and even if Elijah had come there and gotten him off the cross, it wouldn't have helped a thing. In fact, the next statement is by the Romans. They were gambling for his, his uh, clothes, and they, they read the sign above him because they were politically minded, and they read the little sign that said, The King of the Jews. And they said, if you're the king of the Jews, command that, that you be taken down off the cross. Because he couldn't get himself off the cross, like physically, under normal circumstances. And so the Romans did what the world does. They didn't really care about Jesus. They didn't care who it was on the cross. They didn't, they, they just wanted his clothes or whatever he could get out of it. and But there was one Roman, the last word in Mark 15, 39, there was one Roman soldier that had something else to say. I don't know where he came or went in this whole story, but he said because of some of the things that were happening, first of all, it got real dark. Perhaps the earth was covered in darkness because of an eclipse. And the second thing was that the ground opened up. There were great earthquakes. And the ground opened up and even the stones broke. And, and uh, bodies came out of the graves and walked about all over the earth. I mean, people by the thousands saw these dead people getting up out of the grave. Would have made a great movie today about people coming out of the graves. That's what they, they spent a lot of time emphasizing the dead, you know, in the, in the movies. And, and these dead people walked around, except now they were alive and they were going to be with God. But they had been in the graves because it was a it was the part of it was the beginning of the resurrection and Jesus heard or the Roman soldier said that Jesus is truly the son of God that's quite a testimony 
a pagan, uh, a Roman soldier that maybe had to guard the tomb the next night or two, said that Jesus was the Son of God. Now, he couldn't have understood that, his, that he had the opportunity to have all his sins forgiven and that he could be regenerated. Go back to that word of regenerated. It has to do with, with our mind being changed, our lives being changed. And last week I mentioned that any place you meet a Christian around the world, we've all had the same experience. We're all the same. We've turned our life over to Jesus. Jesus has come into our heart, and he's living inside of us, and he forgives us of our sins, and he gives us this new life, and we're being regenerated, and we want to get better. We want things to improve. We want to be released from the the hang-ups and the pressures and the, the things that were even ministered into our life from the time before we were born because children are ministered to even before they're born. And we're being set free from all that. We're regenerated people. There's a big change. It's a big construction project going on in each of our lives. The thing is, is that it's never totally finished. <laughs> we, we still are doing the finishing touches. Everybody knows that these builders in here, everybody knows that it takes a lot longer to, to do the finish work than it does to get the structure up real quick. You, get, you can get the walls and the roof up, then you spend all your time getting in cabinets and putting in windows and doing all this detail stuff and the detail gets finer and finer and finally you're, you're putting plugs into the wall and you're doing little bitty cover-up things. and I mean, it goes on and on and on. That's the way your life is. God did the big thing. He created a new person in you. And you're a new person regenerated person and God is changing you little by little as you get older because he's still working on us we're a construction project well this is this is what the cross meant last week we got to the cross and got on the cross this week we're through the cross and the cross is going to be empty as a resurrection And we're a part of the resurrected life. And we're a part of the new life in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is always true. Our whole life is based upon what you say. Our faith is not in something or in nothing, but it's in what you've said. We just are taking you at your word. And we believe that by these elements that are symbols of forgiveness and being a part of the body of Christ, that we take now, draw us together, and in a mystical way, make this great nation that we're a part of, this Jesus country, this life in Christ,
this holy Jerusalem that we are makes it real. So we pray that the mystery of your church be revealed in us this morning through the communion service and that Jesus be lifted up and we pray in his holy name. Amen. With those participating in the uh, serving of the communion this morning, come forward.